At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Wednesday edition PFTPM, and this is the one that will be played on Sky Sports NFL at 11 o'clock local time. Sources close to me tell me that every Wednesday night, Shireen, PFTPM will be on Sky Sports NFL. So yesterday was a false alarm. Today it's for real, and this is our chance to do whatever we have to do, say whatever we have to say, be whatever we need to be in order to get the folks on Sky to say either – Keep that show on, or what the hell are you making us watch? Please get rid of it. And they didn't get to hear you say crap yesterday, which we think is internationally approved word for Peacock (laughs) Network, crap. So they didn't even get to hear that yesterday, Mike. You misled everyone. Crap is fine. It's okay to say crap, and I hope it's okay to say crap, because now we've just said it four or five times, and we'll probably (laughs) say it a few more times. Uh, There's a lot going on in the NFL on Wednesday. It's the week that is the... The, or the day that is caught between the week that was and the week to come, and there's press conferences and there's injury reports and there's all sorts of little news and stuff. And that's why Wednesday is a different kind of a day, but it also is a very informative kind of day, and it's good that we do this so we can catch up on everything that's happen, happening because you never know where that next piece of news is going to come from. And the big news today kind of dropped out of the blue, Shireen. There was a near miss a few weeks ago in camp for 49ers cornerback Richard Sherman. He had some sort of lower leg injury that had everyone concerned. He promptly came back to practice. We never heard anything more about it. And I don't know where he got the injury that he now has. Is it the same thing? Was it exaggerated? Whatever the case may be. Or aggravated, exaggerated. You know, now he's on injured reserve. Out of the blue. Like that. Injured reserve for Richard Sherman, which is kind of stunning. And this is a tool that teams can use this year because of the roster flexibility rules that let you put a guy on IR for only three weeks. We're going to see more guys on IR than ever before. And if they drop a guy on IR by Wednesday, they never have to tell us what the issue is. They never have to disclose anything in an injury report about whether it's Lower body, upper body, is it ankle, is it hip, is it whatever? Did he practice? Can he practice? It's just he's on injured reserve, and he'll be back at some point, and that's all we know. And Mike, I haven't gotten out of this, oh, my gosh, he's on injured reserve type thing, and it's only three weeks now, and, and I know a lot of coaches hope that they maintain this going forward in 2021, and they can bring these guys back. Now, they only bring them back once, but I think it's a great tool that teams can use. But I've got to get out of that, okay, it's only for three weeks, but – You know, with Richard Sherman, I had to look up his age. It feels like to me that he's played forever, and he's only 32. But in his first six seasons, he played all 16 games. And now he's had these little nicks and injuries and different things that have happened. He played nine games in 2017 and 14 in 2018 and 15 last year, and now he's going to miss at least three games this year. And he he still is one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, but he's got to stay on the field. And the, and the 49ers, unfortunately for them, have had a lot of these injuries early this season. And what I said wasn't 100% accurate. I said, we know he's on injured reserve and he's coming back at some point. We don't know that he's coming back at some point. That's the beauty of it. They can put a guy on IR and never bring him back. All we Even know there. is after three weeks, the guy can come back. And this is all part of the COVID-19 protocol to make it easier for teams to have 53 healthy guys on the roster so you're not carrying someone on the roster that does have a short-term injury that is going to be back sooner rather than later, but you don't want to put on injured reserve because under the normal circumstances, it's eight weeks of a minimum absence. And you can only do it for three. It was going to be three guys this year. It started as one, then it became two. Now it was going to be three. Now it's everybody, anybody you want is gone for a minimum of three weeks, and they don't have to say anything to us. It's the way the Vikings handled Daniil Hunter. Hey, coach, what's wrong with Daniil Hunter, one of the best defensive ends in football? He's got a tweak. He's got a tweak. That's all we heard all, know, all, of, all of August. 
And then last week, just as they're getting ready to issue the first injury report, he's put on IR. They still haven't had to tell us what's wrong with him. And they won't until he's off of IR and they get to a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practice setting and they have to issue a report saying whether and to what extent he practiced. So we're going to be in the dark for a lot of these guys. And, and you're right. When I hear that so-and-so is on injured reserve, I think, well, he's screwed. Well, this is the year where it's like, no, but no. And, and they don't care if coaches stash players. And you know Bill Belichick is going to use it to stash players. This is all about having maximum players available so if there's a COVID-19 outbreak, they're not scrambling for healthy bodies. And the 49ers made a number of moves at, at cornerback today, Mike, but nobody is Richard Sherman. I mean, he he still is up there uh, at, among the top cornerbacks in the NFL, but as you have noted, he's now not paid like one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL. He has an $8 million base salary, and, and I know you've dissected that a lot, but it was not a good contract for him, and he's going to lose an awful lot of money this year for however long he stays on injured reserve. Yeah, he can get to 13, and last year he was very proud of the fact that he was able to unlock extra payment because he played most of the year. He made it onto the Pro Bowl roster. He made it to second team All-Pro, which unlocked even more money. By missing just a few games this year, he's going to lose a million dollars in playing time incentive because he needs to participate in at least 90% of the snaps on defense. So that's a million dollars gone. A million dollars for the Pro Bowl. That's likely gone if he misses three games. I mean, he could come back and play incredibly well and still make it. Who knows? But that's in jeopardy now. And then $2 million to be first team or second team all pro. That's in danger as well. That's $4 million off the top, plus $62,500 for every game that he plays as a per-game roster bonus. He's got $5 million tied up in incentives, which could get him to thirteen. Or keep him at or close to eight, somewhere between eight and nine, based upon how many games he plays. And if he truly still is one of the best corners in the game, he's not getting paid like it. And just the question becomes, what's his future? It's his last year with the 49ers. I think he may not be back next year. And who, who knows? It's hard for a guy to continue to play corner for that long. Is he a guy who can switch to safety? That's something for down the road. But you know, the 49ers, very banged up now, Shireen. And I guess the only good news out of today is George Kittle, their star tight end, wasn't put on injured reserve, which implies that this knee sprain isn't going to keep him out for three weeks. Yeah, that is good news for them. And they hope to get Debo Samuel back at some point. But you saw how much they missed a, a healthy George Kittle in the second half. He didn't have any catches. And I don't care what he said, that he was fine. You could tell he wasn't fine in the second half of that game. And they certainly missed Debo Samuel. And there are other receivers who are just banged up. That receiving core is just depleted right now. Had to use Raheem Mostert and some of those running backs uh, to make do through this game. And, and I think that's part of the reason that Jimmy Garoppolo, I know he had over 100 passer rating and all that, but he didn't make the plays he needed to play, make in that game. And I think a big part of that reason was the receiving core just being depleted and not missing uh, a healthy George Kittle in the second half. And we saw what the Cardinals did and Kyler Murray did with the healthy receiving core uh, that are really good receivers. We've got a PFTPM posse question coming up. One of several we'll get to later in the program relating to the 49ers and uh, kind of a surprising question, but we'll have some fun with that later in the program. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a team that we've had some fun with by virtue of the fact that Coach Bruce Arians has been willing to call out Tom Brady multiple occasions. We've yet to hear from Tom Brady. He's going to have his regular week of the game press conferences on Thursdays. Seems like Bruce Arians is available every single day. Arians was available earlier today. And with so many people raising the question of whether or not there's some sort of an issue between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, because Arians keeps calling him out. Brett Favre said earlier this week that Arians is barking up the wrong tree by calling out Tom Brady. Arians was asked how things are going between him and his star quarterback. Here he is. Tom and I are fine, so I, I don't really care what other people think. <laughs> so it's just what he and I think. And, uh, you know, we, we left the stadium fine. We showed up today fine. So <laughs> there ain't nothing to talk about. 
Now, Farr suggested that maybe there's some sort of an understanding between coach and player that this is what coach is going to do because he does it for everyone and there should be no sacred cows. My spin on it is at some point during the the courtship of Tom Brady, it had to have come out that Bruce Arians, hey, you know, uh, hey, Tom, I'm different than that guy up there that grumble, grumble and never says anything. I'm going to say whatever I need to say, and I can't be uh, – you know, I, I, I can't be doing it to everybody but you. So if there's criticism to be had, I, I have to call you out. And, you know, the bottom line is, what's Brady going to do about it? He may not like it, and maybe it causes some issues down the road, but it's not like Brady is going to show up for his press conference tomorrow and complain about it. At least for now, he's just going to put his head down and keep going forward. Yeah, he couldn't have been surprised, Mike. I mean, this is who Bruce Arians is. This is what he does. He has done this throughout his entire career when he was offensive coordinator. He, you know, he did it to Ben Roethlisberger and other quarterbacks that he's had, Peyton Manning. And so Tom Brady could not have been surprised whether they talked about it or not. And I would suspect that they did talk about it, like you said, in the offseason. But this is, this is who he is and what he does. And he does call out players. And he's going to continue to call out Tom Brady if he doesn't play well. And he didn't play well. Uh, he did take back that one of the that both of the interceptions were Tom Brady's fault. And now he says one of the interceptions was Tom Brady's fault. And Mike Evans was responsible for the other one because he ran the wrong route. He misread the coverage. So he did take that part of it back. But he has been very critical of Tom Brady after this game. But he also says that he expects a bounce back game. So we'll see because they're going to lose more games. This is going to be the only game they lose. And there's going to be other games when Tom Brady does not play well and he's going to call him out. But tomorrow's going to be very interesting. I can't wait to listen to that press conference with Tom Brady just to see what he says. And I know he's going to say all the right things, but it's going to be a big part of that press conference. And here's the thing about Bruce Arians. He isn't bashful about giving out blame, but he's also not going to withhold praise and we've heard that that was one of the things that irritated Tom Brady about Bill Belichick that nothing Brady did could ever truly get that kind of sustained glowing review that a guy who wins six Super Bowls should get when Brady has a, a great game you're going to hear it from Bruce Arians and every coach has a different way for motivating his players and you know Jimmy Johnson when he was with the Cowboys he had an individual relationship with each guy he knew exactly what to say about each guy and what to say to each guy Arians, I think, has the same approach for pretty much everyone. He is who he is. Like it or not, this is what he's going to do. He'll praise you when you deserve praise. He'll criticize you when you deserve criticism. And that's it. I don't know how much thought he puts into it. He just is who he is. Yeah, no question about it. And it's a great point with Jimmy Johnson. I remember this story he told with Charles Haley. The first time he called Charles Haley out in front of his teammates, it wasn't even publicly, it was in front of his teammates. And Charles Haley went berserk. They had to hold him back from punching out Jimmy Johnson. And they met later, and he told Jimmy Johnson, don't ever call me out in front of my teammates. I don't like it. And Jimmy changed his approach to that player. Now, maybe Tom Brady behind the scenes does something similar to that. Hey, I don't appreciate you calling me back. Well, we're going to see as we move forward after another loss, after a bad Tom Brady performance again, which is going to happen, we're going to see how Bruce Arians handles that. And if he changes in any way, then we're going to know that that Tom said something to him, whether we figure that, whether they say it or not, we're going to figure out that that's exactly what happened. It's just such a tough spot for Tom Brady to be perceived either within or outside the organization as being sensitive at this point in his career about anything and being sensitive about the possibility that his coach may say what the rest of us recognized. He didn't have a very good game and he can play better. And the answer is just go play better and you don't get criticized and we'll see if that happens. Schedule softens for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They've got the Panthers this week. They should be able to get things pointed in the right direction against a team that isn't nearly as good as the Saints. Although, again, we don't know how good the Saints are. We don't know how bad the Panthers are. We don't know how good anyone is at this point. It's going to take a few weeks to get us to a spot where we can feel confident about who's good and who's not good. And, of course, once we get to that point, we'll find out we were wrong about what we thought, and somebody we thought was bad ends up being pretty good, and somebody we thought was good ends up being pretty bad. But we'll find out more about the Buccaneers this weekend when Tom Brady takes on the Panthers. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. 
thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we'll find out whether or not Chris Godwin is available to play. The number two receiver in Tampa, who arguably is good enough to be the number one receiver for a lot of other teams, but for the fact that he's got to deal with Mike Evans on his roster. Evans has that hamstring problem that slowed him down last week. Chris Godwin is in the concussion protocol. That's something the Buccaneers disclosed today. That's a problem as they try to turn this around. Brady needs to have a healthy Mike Evans, a healthy Chris Godwin. We'll see whether or not Godwin ends up being cleared. You know, Shereen, once upon a time, if a guy was in the concussion protocol, you pretty much assumed he was going to miss a game in recent years. It seems like more often than not, a guy who's in the the protocol gets his clearance to come back and play without missing a game. Yeah, this one's going to be interesting, Mike, because he had no symptoms on Monday, no symptoms on Tuesday, no symptoms after the game on Sunday. And he comes in today and, and has symptoms. So he has developed those somewhere along the way since, since Sunday's game. So you hope for his sake that he's healthy and he plays, but obviously he has to be cleared from concussion protocol uh, by an independent neurologist before that can happen. And you're, you're right with Mike Evans. He was limited today with that hamstring injury and they need both of those guys out there. If they're going to produce anything in the passing game, he needs those top two weapons. And I know one of the things that Bruce Arians also called Tom Brady out on is not getting the ball to Mike Evans enough. And, you know, he only made the one catch for a two yard touchdown uh, and he was only targeted four times this, despite playing 65 plays. Uh, with that bulky hamstring. So he's got to get the ball to Mike Evans, target him. He can make those catches. Hey, Johnny Menzel learned that very quickly at Texas A&M. One of Heisman getting the ball to Mike Evans, throwing it up there, and let Mike Evans go make that catch. He can make the catches for it. you got to give him a chance. I'm looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers injury report for Wednesday. And Mike Evans, the good news is, was a limited participant in practice with that hamstring injury. Last week, he didn't practice at all until Friday. So maybe the hamstring injury uh, doing better than it was a week ago. Bottom line is he was able to practice this Wednesday, last Wednesday, without any games, without any joint practices, without anything that was really full speed, full contact, he wasn't able to practice. And I will say this, and look, I, I, we, we, we've had, I'm trying, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here because I don't want to suggest someone is faking a concussion because a concussion is a serious injury, but we do know that Chris Godwin's a guy who wants a new contract and hasn't gotten a new contract, and he's in the last year of his contract, and we've had other guys who had migraines, and we thought, well, maybe they're migraines, and Joe Mixon had migraines that quickly went away once he got his contract, and Alvin Kamara had a knee injury that quickly cleared up once he got his new contract. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that's what Godwin's doing. I'm just saying we need to be discerning mature individuals and realize there are certain weapons available for players. And I'm not suggesting anyone would say, yeah, I've got concussion symptoms, but how do you, how do you prove that they don't if they show up and say that I do? And, and there's, there's always a story behind the story when you've got a guy who wants a new contract. And I just, I just throw that out there. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's what's happening, but because the options are so limited for a guy who believes he deserves to be compensated now, and we know what the injury risk is. We saw what happened to Marlon Mack. The Colts running back on Sunday. He goes out and plays. He tears an Achilles tendon, and bye-bye contract year, bye-bye big money contract that he would earn with a big season. 
We just need to at least have our eyes open to the possibility that there is a a bigger play here because there's too much money involved, Shireen, for a guy who's in the last year of his contract under a slotted deal to just sit back and say, well, we'll just let the team do whatever they want while I'm taking the injury risk each and every week. And with a torn ACL, a ruptured Achilles, a serious injury, there goes that money that I currently believe I deserve. And again, I, I'm trying to put all disclaimers possible on this, but I just think it's impossible for, impossible for us to not at least have that light bulb flicker when there's a guy that we know wants a new contract, he's in that last year, and all of a sudden he's injured. Uh, that's all I'm saying. We, 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 we have to at least have that on our radar screen. Conspiracy Mike episode three, right? That's that's Matt Casey telling you what to say. I'm not stupid. <laughs> but but all I'm saying, all I'm saying is the see, and I know, see, you know. Um, all I'm saying is this is a big business with millions of dollars at stake. It is. And the players have limited ways to get what they want. And uh, w- will there never be a time that a player in his contract year suggests he's injured when he really isn't. I think it would be foolish and naive to think it never happens because I think it already has happened. I think it's happened multiple times just this year. That's my point. Wouldn't, wouldn't Godwin, though, get a bigger deal in the offseason if he goes out and has a huge year like he did like he did last year? I mean, wouldn't it behoove him to go out and repeat what he did last year and prove that he is a number one receiver rather than, you know, not playing games and not have the type of year that, that he had last year? Yeah, but you're taking the risk of injury when you go out there and have that big, big season. And, you know, that's what I thought Dalvin Cook was going to do in Minnesota. I thought Dalvin Cook was going to say, I reject your offer on a long-term contract. I'll go play for $1.3 million this year, and I'll have a big season. And then you're going to have to make a decision. Well, the problem is the Vikings already looked at it. They baked the cake. They said, hey, well, you know, the franchise tag may be as low as $8.4 million next year for running backs based upon what happens with the salary cap. So go ahead, do it. We'll just tag you. And see, that's what's waiting at the end of the road for Chris Godwin or anyone else in the last year of a rookie contract. If you're under a four-year deal because you weren't a first-round pick, let's just tag you. You go out and have a tremendous season. You have 1,500 receiving yards and 17 touchdowns. Awesome. Great. That's great. We're going to tag you. And you're stuck. You don't get that reward. And, and, and again, look, it doesn't make you attractive to a new team in free agency if you miss multiple games due to a concussion because that's a label that can end up hurting a guy's value. And, and again, it's, there's too many other things you can, you can say, I've got a hamstring injury. You, there's all sorts of different ways that you can have an injury other than saying that you have a concussion when you don't. But, look, I mean, it just comes up out of the blue on Wednesday. This is a guy who's in the last year of his contract. I, I don't think it's over the top to at least have that flicker because – if he believes he's entitled to a deal and there aren't many ways where you can squeeze that deal out of the team, this is at least, as I said, on the radar screen of possibilities. And one of the reasons we're conditioned to have this conversation, Shereen, what's going on in Chicago? You got a guy who's in the last year of his contract and there was some ugliness that unfolded yesterday. And now Allen Robinson trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube on this notion that he wants out of Chicago. Remember, he took all of the references to the Bears off of his social media. That's what got the ball rolling yesterday. Today, he uh, met with reporters, and here's what he had to say regarding the question of whether or not he does want to be traded during the season. You know, everything that, that that was said or whatever the case may be, you know, um, I've talked to uh, I've talked to uh, to Ryan, I've talked to Coach Nagy, you know. So, I mean, um, as far as everything else, you know, we're we're uh, in the clear with that. And my heart and spirit, you know, has never wavered, you know, as far as uh, the city of Chicago um, and and uh, playing for the organization. Like I said before, obviously, you dive into the business of the game, you know, um, and there's different variables that go down to that, you know. But again, how I feel about my teammates, how I feel about this team, how I feel about this city and everything like that, you know, again, has never wavered. You know, again, like I said before, when you're in this business and when you're in situations like this, things come up, you know. So, again, uh, to answer your question, you know, I feel the same way, you know, how I've said I've, I felt uh, prior. The problem with these video conferences, it makes it harder to have a meaningful follow-up. And so they move on to the next person, and the next person has their question that may be unrelated to anything that was just said. I'd want to ask, as a follow to that, well, why'd you scrub 
any reference to the Bears off of your social media. We know that that has significance in this day and age when it happens. Why did you do that if your heart and mind have never wavered, Shireen? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And it does sound like he wants a new deal or he wants out, regardless of how he phrases it. That That's just the facts. He wants a new deal, and if he doesn't get that new deal, then – he, he wants to be traded during this season before the trade deadline, or he is going elsewhere. Now, the Bears do have a history of taking care of their players, but the pl- the core group of players that they've taken care of under Ryan Pace have been done the week before the season opener. We're beyond the season opener. We're into the season now, and whether they've asked for a trade or not asked for a trade, I think they're having a hard time coming to what fair market value is, coming to an agreement of what fair market value is for Allen Robinson. He's made one Pro Bowl, and he's been an integral part of that offense for sure in Chicago, and we know he hasn't played with a Pro Bowl quarterback yet. But, I mean, I guess Michael Mitchell Trubisky has made it once, but really a really good quarterback. He, he has not done that yet. So what is his value? And I, I think that's the problem with Allen Robinson. They want to compare his stats to Keenan Allen, which is pretty close. Well, Keenan Allen just signed a new deal that's going to pay him $20 million a year. Do you pay uh, Allen Robinson that amount of money? So this, to me, still signals trade, 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 trade before the trade deadline just because I don't know that they can come to an agreement on what his value is. And look here's the reality you mentioned that the bears tend to take care of their own players how they take care of a player is in the eye of the beholder the bears may think they're taking care of Allen robinson Allen robinson may look at it and say you're really not taking care of me you're not giving me the offer that i think i deserve the bears may be and probably are willing to pay him something there's just a gap and it's enough of a gap that Allen robinson hasn't said you know, I'll just take the best offer. I'll take the bird in the hand and uh, I'll, I'll avoid the injury risk. This is all about shifting the injury risk from player to team on a long-term deal that has that security. Back to Godwin, because this I, 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 this this falls under the same umbrella as Allen Robinson. I think I can articulate my point a little bit better. Um, if you are Chris Godwin and you're not feeling right in any way whatsoever, If you've got anything that gives you pause, that you just don't feel normal, and you've spent Monday and Tuesday and something's just not right, you're less likely to keep your mouth shut about it in a situation like this, right? And and it's good when players tap, you know, tap tap out and say, "Hey, I've I've got," you know, we we, I remember a few years ago Ben Roethlisberger got praised for doing it. We doesn't worry have to he has not to worry about his backup coming in taking his job. And we, we know that the culture in football is guys don't tap out. Guys don't say, I'm having these issues. It, it happens rarely. Uh, and, and I think we accept that. And, hey, look, if Chris Godwin doesn't think he's being fairly compensated, why should I take that risk? Why should I go forward if I have any doubt whatsoever about whether or not there may be something wrong with me? So under that circumstance, not having a contract actually helps a guy from a health standpoint because it makes him less likely to push forward um, with his health in a way that could hurt him over the long haul because he's saying, you're not paying me enough for me to assume this risk and to go out there if I do have a concussion and maybe get a second concussion if I'm not feeling right. So, you know, whatever the case may be, I think it's perfectly legitimate for a guy who's trying to get that contract, who hasn't gotten that contract, who has any injury whatsoever, that puts him in a position to have a greater injury at greater risk. Don't play, don't practice, uh, because you're the one who's carrying that risk of a significant outcome. Yeah, no question about it, Mike. You're right about that, and that was better phrased on on Thank him. You. And, and if he does feel any if he does feel any symptoms, he shouldn't go out there. He shouldn't take that risk because of the money that that's at stake for him. And and so hopefully he's okay. Hopefully he comes back and plays and has a great year and doesn't get hurt and gets his big deal because he is going to get a big deal if he stays healthy and if he produces like he did last season. I don't think there's any question that he's a number one receiver in this league and whether that's in Tampa or elsewhere that he ends up, uh, he, he can play and he's really good. And, and I think people sometimes underestimate how good he is because of the presence of Mike Evans. And, and that's where I'm torn on this. I support the players' efforts to get what they deserve because 
They only have limited opportunities in their careers to get what they deserve, and they are the ones taking the physical risks. So if there's any doubt whatsoever about your health, you don't play until you get that long-term security. And where I was kind of meandering earlier, this idea that somebody who's perfectly healthy that would say, I have concussion symptoms when I don't, who would say, I've got a hamstring problem when I don't, that's where it becomes a little more ethically problematic because, yeah, the player has to protect himself and it's naive to assume that there's never been a time and never will be a time that somebody who's perfectly healthy suggests otherwise because he just doesn't want to go out there and take on that injury risk. Chris Sims tells the story about Brandon Marshall, the receiver, when they were teammates in Denver. He was getting toward the end of his contract. And Marshall was a mess with the concern that he's going to go out there and play hard and suffer a serious injury in one of his final regular season games before he gets his contract. I mean, it's going to weigh on a guy. So I think that's where we are. All right, uh, let's take a break. We are doing in uh, the middle of the week on Wednesday's Typically Football Pod in America with Mike Tirico, Tony Dungy, Rodney Harrison, and me. You will hear that. And uh, plus, plenty of your questions as we work our way through this Wednesday edition of PFTPM. We'll be back with more right after this. Football Talk Live, Ben Dan Patrick, 9 a.m. Eastern, followed by Rich Eisen at noon Eastern, brother from another with Michael Hawley and Michael Smith at 3 p.m. Eastern. And the day wraps up with this show, PFTPM, 5 o'clock Eastern, every weekday streaming on Peacock. If you hear what I'm saying, you already have it. So congratulations on being one of the 15 million who realize what a great product it is. Earlier today, Mike Tirico, Rodney Harrison, Tony Dungy, and I gathered via video conference for a discussion about various issues in the National Football League. And one of the first things we discussed, how strange it is to see these games unfold without fans present. Here's our discussion. Man, it just it was it was missing something. I I don't know if you Rodney, you felt the same way watching the games on Sunday. Yeah, and, and I talked to some players and they said they felt the same way. They felt like, you know, the fans are a huge part of the game and most of the young players I talked to, they said, you know, Mike, I'm not, Rodney, I'm not worried about the fans. I'm just learning the playbook, trying to, you know, do my job. But the veteran players, they feed off the fan, the fan support. And, you know, I coach, we won a couple championships back to back. We won 21 games in a row. There's no way we have that level of success. And you guys have the level of success that you had without the encouragement of the fans. Let's hit the Sunday night game and check the Patriots against Seattle. Rodney, for all the years that you the Patriots and saw the Patriots, their offense looked a certain way. I thought Josh McDaniel's offense coordinator did a great job of just keeping things simple, allowing Cam Newton to play, and Cam felt a certain comfort level. He went to the line of scrimmage. If it was two safeties deep, he would call a run. And if they loaded the box, he would do the RPOs. He would, you know, the majority of the passes that he hit, they were inside routes. So I just felt like Cam, he just looked so comfortable in the offense. They kept it simple. He didn't have to make a lot of adjustments. But you know, Coach, you always talk about it, whether it's offense or defense. You know Coach Belichick's going to have a couple adjustments. I expect him to come out with maybe something different, maybe like an, an, an empty set, maybe hurry up offense, spread the ball around, maybe to come out the first five or six plays of the game and pass the ball you know, around. But the most important thing, and I tell you this, Coach Belichick stood in front of that team and they said, we have to block Jamal Adams. We cannot let him ruin the game. That's their number one priority. And on the other side, I'm really anxious to see because Russell Wilson was fantastic. 31 out of 35, lit it up. Well, we know, and the Seattle coaches know, that Bill Belichick is going to come in and try to take away what you do best. So the strength being the secondary is it going to be nickel defenses dime defenses maybe take that passing game away will seattle if, if they do that will they be content to say hey we've got to run the football if, if they play a little small group on against them Thank so that that chess match is going to be really really interesting uh, i know mike florio is all about let russ cook but if belichick decides i'm going to take that that meal away uh, they may have to go back to the, the running game, the old Seattle formula. And, 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 go ahead, Mike, I'm sorry, Mike. Let me just jump off this real quick. I went back and I watched the 2016 game, Seattle. It was a Sunday night football game. I think it was week 10. Yeah. And you watch what Coach Belichick did. And Russell Wilson didn't have a lot of success scrambling, 
you know, yeah, I think he only had like six yards scrambling, but he tore him up over 300 yards. I think he had three to three or four touchdowns. But the Patriots on early downs, they played a lot of zone on on third down. They played a lot of man to man. Now, the talent level is different because they're a lot better in the secondary, but I expect them to play a lot of man-to-man. I expect a lot of four- or five-man pressures. The biggest thing that he's saying is we have to eliminate the big play and we have to be able to stop the run. And they're going to get up. They're going to challenge. I look for Stephon Gilmore to take on DK Metcalf, and I look for J.C. Jackson to get in the face of Tyler Lockett. On the offensive side of the ball for the Patriots, Bill Belichick downplayed the number of runs for Cam Newton on Sunday. He had 15, and Belichick created the position, or created the impression, excuse me, they were all out of an option look, and they weren't. I went back and watched that. Seven of the runs were designed runs. Six were on option plays. There were 13 total option looks. He scrambled once, and he took a knee. So there's a lot of designed runs, and what I was encouraged by he only was really in harm's way twice. There was a third and six down near the goal line when they were trying to score their last touchdown, and then a fourth and goal. Those are the two plays where you get a little nervous about Cam getting injured. The rest of the time, he was clean. He was not taking hits, and he was moving that offense. It was methodical, but it worked, and I think we're going to see a lot more of it this week. I'm so glad you brought that up, Mike, because if we think about Cam and the MVP guys and where he was in his skill set, the biggest thing is sustainability. Can you sustain this offense and doing that stuff with Cam an entire season? Can not with the helping? weapons they have. No. Not with the weapons they no? have. You don't that's think so? Th- that's why I think it's very important that they need to go out and they need to make some type of trade, whether it's Allen Robinson from the Bears, whether it's Odell Beckham Jr. They need someone because if you go get an Odell Beckham, then all of you know, Odell's been dying to try to get to the Patriots. He's good friends with Cam Newton. Um, I think this is going to really open up the offense, allow Nikhil Harry to develop and take some pressure off of um, Julian Edelman. But you need that number one receiver, which they don't have. And, and then you put pressure on the Buffalo Bills to look and say, because right now Buffalo's sitting at home saying, you know, I'm not worried about the Patriots. We take away, you know, Cam Newton. They have nobody else. And you get a guy like Odell, he really opens up the offense and he makes everyone else better. Florio? Wow. Hey, I like it. I like it. I watched the Browns Ravens game last night and it only reinforced my belief that they need to trade Odell Beckham Jr. He does not fit with that offense. He doesn't fit with that team. He's not happy. His body language, his demeanor. He had a horrible drop. The game was still in a position where Cleveland can make it interesting down 17, six driving third and two. He's running with the ball before he catches it. He drops it. They missed the field goal. That was the end of the game. He had one play where the ball's up in the air. He did a little half alligator arm thing. I just think he's not into it there. He's not getting the ball the way he wants it. He's never been happy about being in Cleveland. That's the way it seemed. And, Rodney, you're right. Remember last year they are getting ready to play the Patriots. That's all he talked about all week is the Patriots. He wants to be in New England, and now that Cam's there instead of Tom Brady, he may want to be there even more strongly. Coach? No, you you guys kill me. When it's uh, Houston, we don't need a number one receiver. Let's the go. I didn't say that. Committee. Now you got, Thank you. With a committee, you want a number yes. one receiver. Make up your mind. Coach, please. coach, coach. Hold on, hold on, Mike. Hold on, Florio. Coach, I never said that. I was relaying the message that Tyron Matthew told me. I never said I agreed oh, with him. It was just Chris Sims. Okay. It yeah. was just Chris Sims. Yes, I got you. <laughs> Let me say this about the Browns. Hey, the Browns oh, have all, all these all weapons. All these okay, good, good. The Browns have all these guys they're spending big money on. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., Austin Hooper. I feel like they put pressure on themselves to force the passing game. If they just would have run and run and run Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they may have won that game. They had the running game going, and they kept going away from it because we got to justify all these weapons that we paid a lot of money for. Coaching matters. Coaching matters. That's the best thing you said today, and and you're so right. Coaching (laughs) is going to be the difference in the first part of this season, no question in my mind. Yes. And just you all remember when DeAndre Hopkins wins the MVP with 160 catches, <laughs> Mike and Tony, we were on this first. Rodney, I got you a gift from Wingfoot. Got you a golf ball. Oh, nice. I'm bring it back to you. Get get Dustin. Get, get Dustin. Your kind of golf ball. Hey, let me let me let me see if you got any real pub. Okay, go get Dustin yeah. Johnson to sign it for me. You want a Dustin Johnson autographed golf ball? Yep. If you can do that, you're the man, Mike. 
I, I, I will I will work on that. I may go up to him right in the middle of his first round and say, you know Rodney Harrison, can you sign a golf ball for him? But I I will, I will work on that. I, I know my boy Dan Patrick can do it. Hey, I would. I, oh. he, he probably probably can. He probably would. He probably would. But you're stuck to me now. I'm not going to do it for you. Um, you should have asked for a Xander Shoffley because he's the one who's going to win the U.S. Ooh, Open. Okay. Okay. Tell you that. You heard it here first. Yeah, I'll throw okay. out a prediction. Wait, wait, did you guys all pick the Cowboys? Not all of us, Mike. Not go. all of us. Yeah, oh, okay. But for but for a ridiculous offensive pass interference call, I'd have been right. Oh, we had some fun earlier today. Mike Tarico getting ready for the U.S. Open. That's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday on the networks of NBC. Thursday night, the Cleveland Browns taking on the Bengals. A quick turnaround after that ugly loss at Baltimore. What's going to happen with the Browns? We'll find out Chapter 2 tomorrow night. We'll wrap up PFTPM with your questions right after this. I think this plays into Jimmy Garoppolo's weaknesses a little bit and probably why the Cardinals did it. They probably go, let's take our chances. Give him the deep ball. He's not the best at that. Okay, let's take away the middle of the field. So I said they're playing a lot of man-to-man. Shanahan's smart. He sees that. He starts doing crossers. I think they hit one. Then they start to go back to the well a few times in some like obvious passing situations. Cardinals did a good job of like, well, you know, we got a guy here. As soon as they crossed, he's he stopped and he waited for the crosser. And then the same thing on the other side, he waited for the crosser. So then here's Jimmy G dropping back, thinking, oh, I got man to man. I'm one of these crossers, and there's guys waiting for him. And then that throws it off. So yeah. those, that's what I mean by curveballs thrown at Shanahan. Um, and my point was saying that is they live over the freaking middle too much. They live over the middle. Got to throw the ball outside the numbers. Chris Sims from Unbuttoned earlier today, breaking down Jimmy Garoppolo's performance in the first game of what could be his last year with the San Francisco 49ers. If he doesn't step it up, it was clear that that's what Kyle Shanahan expects, Shireen. They talked about and probably talk to Tom Brady, even though they technically were in the period of the calendar where they shouldn't. I think that they at least gave it a look-see and decided to give Jimmy Garoppolo one more year at a minimum. He's going to have to earn it. And uh, when you consider how good that team is, despite Garoppolo, how good they could be if he just plays at a decent level. On Sunday, he was not at a decent level. He had the hospital ball that he threw to George Kittle. He was inaccurate at times. And to see him and Kyler Murray on the same field, as I've said all week, Night and day difference. Kyler Murray's the better quarterback any day of the week. And Garoppolo's got his work cut out for him as these uh, 49ers try to reverse an 0-1 start. Yeah, you and I disagree a little bit on Jimmy G because I, I do think he's the better quarterback than Kyler right now. Kyler certainly has potential to be that. On Sunday, however, your point stands, uh, Kyler Murray was the best quarterback on that field. And I don't care what the stats say. The stats say Jimmy G had over 100 passer rating. Kyler didn't. But Kyler made the plays when he needed to. And you go back to the Super Bowl, the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, and it was the same thing. Jimmy G didn't make the plays that he needed to make in the fourth quarter when the game mattered, when it was on the line. He wasn't able to do that. So he still has a lot to prove this season to show that he is one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, despite having the Super Bowl start underneath him last year. Yeah, passer rating doesn't take into account whether it's a big third down, whether the game's on the line. All it is is completion percentage, yards per attempt, touchdown percentage, and interception percentage in a in a convoluted formula that has a maximum number of 158.3, and I'll never understand how that ended up being the perfect rating. But uh, Jimmy G was over 100. Kyler Murray was, was south of 80, but Kyler Murray was the better quarterback that day. Questions from the PFTPM posse at... Manual 1723, if the 49ers injuries persist and the season takes a nosedive, do they consider hashtag tanking for Trevor? It is so premature to even have that thought. Shereen, I believe that tanking does happen and should happen under certain circumstances in the NFL. I think it only should be a thought once you are done, once you're eliminated, maybe not mathematically, once you know you've got no shot at getting to the postseason that's when you gain nothing by winning those last few games. You only hurt yourself in the draft order. And if the 49ers find themselves done in the month of December, if they're four and nine with three games left, and, and even at four and nine, who knows if you have a shot at the seventh seed or not. But once you know you've got no shot at the seventh seed, then I'm a firm believer for any team. 
It's a bad business decision to win football games because we know what those draft picks are worth. We know what teams give up to move up a spot or two or three. So, yeah, if they would find themselves done, then be bad. It's good to be bad at that point because you enhance your draft stock, whether it's Trevor Lawrence or whether it's anyone else. Well, we had the hashtag tank for Tua last year, and and that was for Miami. And look what happened, Mike. They ended up being the fifth worst team in the NFL last season, and they ended up with Tua, who ended up being the second quarterback to go behind Joe Burrow. So you just don't know how these things are going to go. Maybe Trevor Lawrence isn't doesn't even end up being the first quarterback taken. Now, right now, we think he is, but we got a long season to play out. We hope, barring COVID shutting this thing down, uh, we're going to see some quarterbacks out there who who could contend for that number one overall draft pick. But look, the 49ers are way too talented to, to tank. I mean. We've got the extra playoff team this year. Even say they finish second or third to what you know, Seattle wins it and the Rams are second, whatever. They've still got a chance to put together a good run in the postseason. Maybe they don't get back to the Super Bowl, and that's going to be harder as a wild card team this year. But but they've got a really good team. And if they get healthy, they're going to be right there in the end, whether they end up as a second or third team. Uh, in that division, I think they make the playoffs. They're too talented to tank. But it's a great question. I love the question. Well, and let's just assume the Cardinals have a special season. And this is the first brick in what becomes an impressive 16-game wall for the Arizona Cardinals. And they end up the number two seed. And the 49ers sneak in as the seventh seed. Who's got the edge in a game where you've got a team with limited players who have meaningful playoff experience going against a team that was just in the Super Bowl last year? And the pressure's on the two seed, not the seventh seed. So, yeah, the 49ers could get hot late, get into the playoffs, and run the table because they have the experience from last year. But once you're out, once you're done, there's no benefit in trying to win those games. You're only hurting your draft stock. And, Shereen, you mentioned the Dolphins were tanking for Tua last September, and they ultimately didn't have to tank all the way to number one, but still got Tua. Here's the thing. They wanted Joe Burrow. So if they had fully and completely tanked and had earned the number one spot in the draft, they'd have Joe Burrow right now. He'd be playing right now. And who knows how much better the Dolphins would be over the next five to ten years with Burrow instead of Tua. That's going to be an interesting apples-to-apples comparison in the coming years because it's well known the Dolphins wanted Joe Burrow. They just weren't able to put enough on the table to get the Bengals' attention. And who knows what they ever offered the Bengals. That's one of those things that's going to come out at some point, and we're going to say potentially, holy crap, why didn't the Bengals take that? Or... Boy, it's smart the Bengals didn't take that offer. Yeah, because he looked awfully good in that first game. I think we both agree, Mike. You go back to talking about passer rating and all that sort of stuff. I know he didn't throw a touchdown pass. He did run for a touchdown pass. But Joe Burrow looked really good in that game and gave them a chance to either tie or win the game. If you don't get the offensive pass interference, they win the game. If you get the field goal that Randy Bullock should have made, the 31-yarder, then they tie the game and take it into overtime. And we're talking about how good... Uh, Joe Burrow was in that first game as a rookie. And we're still talking about that, but it's much better when you win uh, than if you lose. So, yeah, you know, Joe Burrow was the guy, ended up being the guy, but we didn't think that at this point last year, he kind of came out of nowhere, which which is my point. You could have somebody come out of nowhere uh, in the college ranks that that we just don't know about right at this this moment. Question from at all happy team. Should Bob Quinn, the Lions general manager, divorce himself from Matt Patricia, the coach of the team, sooner than later? Lions have a 10-game losing streak, plus they're 3-8-1 with a lead or a tie going into the fourth quarter under Patricia. Shereen, your thoughts? You know, Jim Caldwell got fired for much less than that. I thought he was a a really successful head coach. I didn't think they should let him go. Uh, when they did, they were nine and seven his last year. And then look what's happened uh, when Matt Patricia has come in and taken over and tried to build culture and, and rebuild that team. It just hasn't worked out. And Jim Caldwell went through 36 and 28 in, in four years. So frankly, they shouldn't have gotten rid of him. But now you have Matt Patricia and he's not getting it done. He's in his third season. They can't hold the lead. You really give him a pass for last year for Matthew Stafford. Uh, being injured a lot of the year but at the same time he's got to come out and win this year and they lose another lead they start out this year just like they ended last year so 
Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, they've got to make a coaching change if they can't turn this thing around. I had them as a wild card team. I thought they were going to be a decent team, perhaps a dark horse, perhaps a chance to win that division. But they look like the same old Lions of the last two years under Matt Patricia on Sunday. Yeah, you make a good point. Last year, they blew a 17-point lead and still came out of the game with a tie. This year, they blew the 17-point lead and came out of the game with a loss. Last year, the tie to Arizona. This year, the loss to the Bears. I, look, th this is one of the realities of football. And the coach and the GM have a, a very critical relationship. And in too many cities, there's this function between coach and GM. The seeds for Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia working together in Detroit were planted when they were both in New England. And, and this happens. A coach and a GM, a, a two guys who we don't even know are on the radar screen to ever be coaches or general managers. They develop a relationship, they develop a bond, and they decide that they will be able to trust each other in the future and they want to work together in the future. That's why Bob Quinn hired Matt Patricia. Bob Quinn wanted to fire Jim Caldwell as soon as he got the job and decided to give Jim Caldwell a chance to basically earn his termination, which he arguably didn't before hiring Matt Patricia. But they're tied at the hip, and they've always been tied at the hip. And I don't see Bob Quinn turning on Matt Patricia at this point. I think Bob Quinn goes down with the ship before he throws Matt Patricia overboard. It's the nature of the relationship. And it can be a good thing, but it also can be a bad thing because you want to see an open and inclusive and diverse coaching search. That didn't happen in Detroit. Quinn knew the day he got the job he was eventually going to hire Matt Patricia. I think he sticks with him. All right, good question from the PFTPM Posse. Is it time to admit that Odo Beckham Jr., may not be one of the top receivers in the NFL anymore. If not now, when is it reasonable to start having that conversation, Shereen? Well, I think first you have to define great. Like, what do we consider great? Do we consider great the top two, the top five, the top ten? And, and I really haven't said this out loud until now, but I have had that question since Odell's first three years when he made three consecutive Pro Bowls. To me, he has not been the same receiver, and I would not, I would not call him great. I would not rank him among, when we're talking about the Julio Jones and the DeAndre Hopkins and those types of receivers, I would not put him in that conversation among those guys. Now, he has the potential to go back and do it again. I would have put him there probably the first three years, but this is a guy that's never made All-Pro. He's played six years in the decade, and when we went to fill out the all-decade ballot, he wasn't on it, even though he played six years in the decade. So, yeah, I don't think you can call him a great receiver at this point based on what he's done after his last three years. He was on track to do that, but he didn't get there. He had the three great seasons to start his career, and that was when he wanted his new contract, and the Giants didn't give it to him. He suffered that lower leg injury in, coincidentally, not ironically, although some would say ironically, Cleveland in the preseason. That eventually became a broken ankle, and that's where his career got derailed, and he hasn't been the same since then. I remember two years ago with the Giants, he had that bizarre interview with Lil Wayne and Josina Anderson, and that's when it was clear he was getting out of New York. And I think that it's just a matter of time before he's out of Cleveland. And I don't know that he ever becomes a great receiver again. I don't think he's one of the best five. I don't think he's one of the best ten. He's got a lot of work to do, and it begins with him, Shereen, landing in a place where he can flourish. It's not working in Cleveland. He needs to go to New England. That's where he wants to go, and I think maybe they could turn him <laughs> around there. All right, that's it. Boy, that hour went fast. We'll be back tomorrow with picks for week two on PFTPM. Have a great day. See you Thursday. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.